Hello and welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. I'm your host, Alex Williams, and today I'm joined as the final guest for 2021, Ashley Nichols. We talk about Ashley's living all over the United States and the way she's felt like a misfit. Ashley shares how she started making friends in college and having those friends as lifelong friends too. And of course, we cover nerdy stuff too, which I think is great. And remember, after today's show to make five minutes today to listen intently to the people around you. Ashley Nichols, welcome to My Wax Museum. Thank you. Happy to be here. I'm excited to have you. This is the last the last podcast episode of 2021. Of course, I'm I mean, after this I'll still be recording in 2021, but you are the last My Wax Museum guest of 2021. How does that make you feel? It's really exciting. It makes me think about where I'm going to be when this airs and hopefully all the adventures that all of us have had after we've gotten out of our houses after a year and a half of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's always an interesting time capsule when I record this far in advance because it comes out and you're like, oh, yeah, I did say that. Oh, what an interesting conversation. Who are these two people? You know, and it, it is really, really fun. But of course, I start every episode with how we know each other. Would you like to fill the audience in on how we got in touch? Absolutely. So I was working on writing a book in 2020, 2021. Uh, and I was going through this process of marketing it and trying to get into podcasts and learn from other folks who'd been in the space. Uh, and I came across Alex's other uh, podcast, which is Broken Bulbs. Uh, and I gave him a listen, and I really loved it. So I reached out, and he invited me to be a guest. We had a lot of great conversations, and he invited me on to this one. Yeah, yeah. And those conversations, if people want to go and listen to, to what we talk about on there, you can go back to episodes 83 and 114 are the ones that are out so far of Broken Bulbs, where where Ashley joined me. But of course, let's let's talk about your life, your life experience. Where are you from originally? So I'm, I was born in California in the United States. And then when I was about four or five, my family moved out to Indiana uh, and went to college, did the whole thing, landed uh, my adult life in Washington, D.C. Interesting. Okay. Tell me how, um, what, what was California like for you growing up? Like as a kid, how, how did you see it? Or did you even have an opinion about California as a kid? California as a kid is one of those things that I didn't process as a kid. But, you know, as I got older, looking back, it really had an impact on my life in a, a number of ways. Um, one of which was, you know, I grew up right next to Disneyland. Uh, and so we'd have like lots of holidays and family events at Disneyland. So Disney is still a very nostalgic thing for me, which I love. Um, but it was other things too, you know, like the California like lifestyle and view of life does seep into a young person when they grow up there. Um, which made me a very weird kind of like bohemian person in the Midwest, you know, in the middle of cornfields coming up, coming from the California coast. Uh, and, and the last thing I'll say is, you know, California, where I was from, is really diverse in terms of, you know, the types of people that live there, people of all different backgrounds, of different races, you know, lots of ethnic restaurants and people just milling about in the same space. When we moved to the Midwest in Indiana, I grew up and I always felt like something was weird and was off and I could never really put my finger on the why of it and why things felt so different um, and almost like quiet. And then uh, years later, when I moved to the city, to DC, which was again, like very vibrant and lots of lots of people from different backgrounds and all over the world, it really clicked of like, oh, like this was what I was missing that I could not, that, that I just didn't find in the part of the Midwest I was from. Interesting. T tell me, 
like uh, you you mentioned the this California lifestyle that seeps into you as a kid. What is that lifestyle? What is the the California kid like? Yeah, honestly, it was just very like very cheerful and very like warm and very like playful. And I think it's just like this, you know, trying to figure out how to describe it. You know, in California, it's it takes all types, and there's lots of people from lots of different backgrounds, as I mentioned. And then you you go elsewhere where people haven't moved around as much and people have been in the same area for a long time and their families have been from that area. And those are actually very different mindsets. You know, when you think about things like heritage and how you identify and, and who you are and where you're from. So, you know, I came, I was at California where everybody moves around and is from different places because who's really from California? You know, a lot of people move there. Uh, and then when I moved to Indiana and a lot of people you know, their identity was their community and their family and the, the farmhouse they'd been in for three generations. And I didn't have any of that. And even worse, I didn't really care because I, I was like, well, like you, you move around, that's what you do. Um, and so it kind of made me a bit of a misfit in the community because it was a lot of people who had like, who really found identity in how they connected to each other. And I was like, well, this is where I am today. That is really interesting. How did you take that? misfitism did you did you relish in it like did you like being the outsider where you're like i i just got here you know did you like that or was it a bit like oh i wish i had that third generation farmhouse it was really yeah it was so much more you know i was like why am i in it and at the you know at the time as a kid you don't understand what's different it's only through adult reflection that i can really see and understand this now but being a misfit was really, really difficult for me. And I, you know, remember trying and failing and trying and failing and never quite being able to figure out how to connect with people around me and other kids around me uh, and being really like a loner through most of school until like the end of high school when I kind of like got my feet under me and like kind of this thing started to click a bit. Um, but I really replaced, to be honest, I replaced that lack of socialization that like a friendship with books. Um, and so all of my friends growing up were book characters and, and, you know, adventures from books. So, um, I think that's part of why, you know, growing up and especially my young adulthood, I was a bit abrasive and a bit distant from people. And it took me a lot of, of years to like work through that and get over that and, um, just have embrace people with more open arms than I did when I was younger. Interesting. Do you have any, any particular uh, books that were kind of like your, what you went to your kind of comfort books? So there was always Harry Potter, which I like, know is like a very popular one, but I loved the trio so much. Like I loved that like little pod of friends because one friend was busy, we always had another friend. Um, so I loved the trio, the, the main three. Um, I also loved Lord of the Rings. And I remember this is such a, so my dad um, passed away in 2014, but I always think of this story when I think of Lord of the Rings which is that I had read the books and he took me to see the uh, Fellowship of the Ring in theaters because he and I would go see movies together all the time. And so we go in and we see it. And for the next like week and a half, I would, I would just cry, burst into tears, randomly would start crying. And he finally sat me down and he was like, I'm not an emotional man, but I can see that something is wrong. What is wrong? You know, young teenage girl, what is wrong? Is it a boy? Like, what is it? And I like start babbling about Lord of the Rings and the Fellowship of the Ring and how beautiful it is and how like nothing like that exists in our <laughs> world. And he's like, it was filmed in New Zealand. I don't understand why you're crying. And I also couldn't understand why I was crying. And again, like with years, uh, like years later in college, I was watching Fellowship of the Ring with friends. And I realized the reason I was crying was 
the bond of the fellowship and like the friendship that they had and that connection. And I was like, that can't possibly exist because I don't know what that feels like. Of course, then by college, I had some very good friends and I knew what that felt like. So that was really the thing that I was like mourning, but I couldn't put a pin in it when I was a kid. That is so interesting. I I mean, it is a beautiful friendship. Like that whole that whole crew, uh, you know, going going off to mortar. Like what an adventure, right? <laughs> yeah, I I also love Lord of the Rings. You were mentioning you and your partner, big nerds. I like I love that stuff too. You're, so um, I I want to talk about the the connections you started to make with people when mm-hmm. when you went to college. How did you start making friends, and what was what was that experience like when those relationships started clicking and you started being like, oh, I, I have these connections now. Yeah. You know, it was a bit of a weird, I feel like I like did like 15 years of socialization in four years because I was so, you know, behind the eight ball in terms of making friends. Like I went through one like click of friends in like two months and they were like, yeah, this isn't a fit. And then I never heard from them again. And I was like, oh, the betrayal, the pain, like, oh, I'm always going to be abandoned for the rest of my life. Uh, you know, and then I moved into a dorm and I had this really wonderful dorm at Indiana University called Collins. Um, and I picked it because it looked like Hogwarts and it was the very artsy, like weird kid dorm. Um, I shouldn't say weird kids. That's, it was the bohemian dorm, you know, the, the, the kids who weren't going to go join sororities and fraternities loved Collins. Um, and so I wound up there and then, you know, welcome week, everybody's like, vibing and making friends and so I had a new group of friends and that group of friends I really loved uh, and stuck with for about a year and a half uh and that was like where I had like a lot of my early like best friendships and like my the queen bee of the group let me her sweater for my first date ever and like there was just so much like warmth and fuzziness and I would like you know be there like babysitter at parties because I couldn't drink but they could and so I'd like heard the group back and I was the mom's friend and I loved that and felt so fulfilled and then came the betrayal because I got a boyfriend and the queen bee of the group got mad about that. And I got kicked out of the friend group. <laughs> and not only did I get kicked out of the friend group, but she took the friends that I brought to the friend group and she took them. Um, and then they were all in each other's weddings years later. I'm not bitter. But it was actually really wonderful because in that same year, hmm. I'd also try to like get out and do other things. So I was in marching band or I made some friends. But I wound up going to a swing dancing class um, because I was like, oh, I was like, I love the thought of dancing, but I'm not that kind of person. But, you know, I'll go try. So I go to a swing dancing club and everyone's dancing and I go to my favorite spot, which is always the corner. So I go and I sit in the corner and I'm sitting there watching everyone dance. Uh, And a few minutes later, over comes another girl who stands in the corner because I've taken the seat and we're both awkwardly sitting there watching everybody dance. Uh, And after a few minutes, I go my name's Ashley. And she's like, my name's Sarah. Uh, and what is it? 13 years later, she's still my best friend. Um, and I am a maid of honor in her wedding this September. Um, and I don't think that friendship would have been what it had been if I didn't get kicked out of the initial, the early friend group that I was in, because I was investing a lot of time in like those friendships because they were earlier and they were first. And after that, she and I spent a lot of time together and really found that we had a lot in common, a lot, uh, really similar views of the world. She was actually the person that helped me soften up first because she's very kind and she's very warm and friendly and um, forgiving. And I was like, you're nuts. That sucks. Why would you do that? Um, And she really helped me grow along the way. And then our last year in college, um, I, through orientation and like working with the college, I met a young man by the name of Will. 
uh, and convinced him to go to IU. And then he, I was like, oh, come get dinner with me and my friend Sarah. Uh, and now he's like our third, he's like the third best friend. So now it's funny. Uh, and it's like a life journey of now I have my trio of me, Will and Sarah are all best friends still 10 years later. Um, we talk multiple times a week and we take vacations together. Um, so really I owe a lot of my growth and a lot of my kindness um, and my world shift perspective to Will and Sarah. That is awesome. It's, it's amazing what those relationships can can do for us. I, I kind of want to hear a few more details maybe about like how you went from just sitting down with Sarah just because you were in the same area to like now now we're we're friends like what were kind of the things along the way that made you think i love this like i really like this person oh man it was so many things you know she uh you know we, we awkwardly talked and then i don't think it was that night but we were like oh let's get dinner together and you know at college getting dinner together is going to a different dorm for their food so we like did like friend dates where we'd like get dinner together and then we'd like get coffee and we'd text every now and then or we'd be on facebook and like I invited her to events at Collins and she invited me to hang out with some of her friends. Um, cause she had an, she had an original click too at her dorm cause we were in different dorms. Um, and we would like hang out like a little bit, but really where it started to take off was again, you know, after I got kicked out of my original group, um, I would reach out to her more. I'd be like, Hey, do you want to ha hang out? Do you want to study? Do you want to go to lunch? And we started doing that more and more. And I don't really remember what, like the impetus was, but we started to just like have routines of things we'd always do together. Um, so she loved and still loves comedy. And like, I've always been like met on comedy, um, but I love how much she loves comedy. So we had this group at Indiana that was like a student improv group and they performed every Friday night at the, uh, the local student union. And so, you know, she invited me to come with her and her friends. And so we went and then another group went the next week and the next week. And then, you know, weeks later, she and I were still like going, grabbing dinner and going to the comedy show. And while well, everyone else was off somewhere. Cause like everyone else went to the football game or like the basketball game. And like, she and I just like kept that routine going. And so then we'd like get breakfast or something or we'd get coffee. And then along the way, we'd start to do things off campus. Uh, at one point she, we went out to uh, TJ Fridays at the mall, which was like a big deal. Cause we were college kids. And uh, I remember I just like, I, you know, everyone like is always like self-conscious about themselves and their weirdness. And I like midway through dinner zoned out. Uh, and so I had a fork that had like a green bean fry on it. And I just kind of like paused with my like jaw hanging open with the fork at my mouth ready to eat it. And I just kind of like stared into space for like five seconds. And she didn't say anything. She just watched me. And then she started to laugh and like her laughter snapped me out of it. And she was like, that was the best, like, that was the funniest thing I've ever seen. And I was like, oh, I appreciate that you think that that was funny and not weird because other people would tell me that was weird. But my, one of my favorite things when we were that, when we were in that phase was she loved to draw and sketch. And so she would make comics of our like adventures and misadventures. And so she drew a comic of her just staring at me in TGI Fridays with a French fry hanging out of my mouth. Um, and then she shared other things. Like she got me into anime I got her into some like movies and books. And so we would just start this exchange. But I think the thing that really cemented our friendship was one, one of the years we went to Florida together and I took her on her first trip to Disney world. Um, and I had been a few times and I loved it and she'd never been. And just seeing her excitement and her joy and like her just unabashed delight, at, you know, things that I'd experienced before. I was like, man, I really love this person. Like this is the sweetest, like nicest person on the planet. 
Um, and I'm so lucky she's my friend. And, and truly, I think that that trip was probably the thing that cemented our friendship that's still going. And we've been back to Disney together with Will. So that was a lot of fun, too. That is super cool. You know, in, in our quick questions beforehand, you mentioned how you how how you used to be more judgy and you know you you know were a bit more particular about about people and things and and then now it sounds like part of this friendship was you know really just like coming to adore another person and just being like this is amazing you know like really coming to just enjoy it and and find some pleasure in those moments am i am i making stuff up or does that make sense no, you're totally right. And like, you know, loving another person's quirks and weirdness. And, you know, th- like Will and Sarah will tell you, like, Ashley in college is a terror. And we still joke to this day, like, well, college <laughs> Ashley would have had this to say, because I was, I was super judgy. Like, I would get mad at them for really small things. And they stuck through it with me. And like, looking back, I'm like, if anyone talked to me that way, I'd be like, get bent. Like, I'm not, why would I be your friend? But they were patient with me. With me. Um, and they helped me, they helped show me along the way of like, Hey, like maybe that's not nice. And like, maybe like you could like be a little less judgy and a little more friendly. Um, so definitely like, in like loving other people and seeing, you know, the quirks about them that I love, but also their patience with me and the quirks about me that like, I thought were strengths, but maybe weren't strengths. Maybe were just defense mechanisms, um, that they really helped me work through along the way. I love it. I, I love that so much. Hey, future Alex here, just interjecting to mention that My Wax Museum has an Instagram page which has a ton of bonus content. Now, what is that bonus content? Well, before each interview, I ask a guest a series of 15 questions. I post their responses to those questions on Instagram, and they give some really interesting answers, so I think you'll like it. The Instagram handle is at My Wax Museum. And of course, this is the last episode of 2021. Next year, I've got some big plans, not just with My Wax Museum, but for all of my podcasts in general. We're hoping to launch a few other shows and share a few other projects with you. So I cannot wait for those, seriously. As of editing this, I'm in the middle of doing a ton of research for these projects. So make sure you go and follow My Wax Museum. And you can follow me on Instagram as well, at Alex Williams. That's A-L-E-X-W-I-L-L-I-A-M. NS. I spell it weird because my name is Alex Williams. So, I mean, yeah, you, you try having a name this common. Anyways, this has gone on long enough. Enjoy the rest of the show and we'll see you next year. I, I want to pull up to now, pull up to the present now and talk about things you're doing. But, you know, you have an interesting career and stuff. And I, I think we could talk about that. But also you mentioned Renaissance fairs in our quick questions. I've never been to a Renaissance fair. I've played D&D, but I've never, I've never dressed up. I, I haven't really done in cosplay or anything. So tell me about this whole side and hobby of your life. Yeah. So I, you know, growing up always loved the concept of Renaissance fairs. I thought they were really romantic. I apparently as a child loved medieval times, which is basically Ren Fair, the restaurant. Um, loved jousts, loved the horses, loved the whole thing. And so when I moved out to Washington, D.C., Maryland Renaissance Festival is, is one of the biggest in the country, and it's like a 40-minute drive. So I wound up going out with some of my friends and just absolutely loved it. You know, there's the, the food was incredible. You could get, like, fried cheese blocks and steak on a steak and scotch eggs. They sell this really, all these, like, really good drinks that have mead and cider in them. Um, and then 
over the years, like at first I would just go and I would like eat and drink and like watch the shows and, and be like, this is cool. Thanks. Have a nice day. And then as time went on, like every year I'd start to acquire like a bit of costume because lots of people wear costumes to the Renaissance Festival. So they either have, you know, two period pieces, which are like beautiful gowns and crowns and, you know, parasols, or you have like the people that are like, whatever I'm going to dress up. So you have people who dress up as Trek, like as Star Trek, uh, you know, space crew or people who dress up as, uh, you know, knights or people who dress up as um, their favorite anime character. And some people just start to like, you know, bring out their weird because it's, it's very like open and acceptable. And at Ren Faire, nobody is judging you. Um, so I started to go and like start to like dress up over the years. Uh, and now it's become like a full fledged, like I look for the Ren Fairs. So I'm currently in Ohio because I came out here to live for COVID, uh, which is in the Midwest. And they have a few fairs around, but this past weekend, uh, which was my birthday weekend, there was one that was opening up in Kentucky. So we went to the Kentucky Highland Renaissance Festival, um, which was really cool because it was in a different time period. It was It's based in Scotland, I think, in the 1300s uh, versus other ones I've been to that were based in like the time of Henry VIII. Um, and so we go to that and it was really fun to like meet all the vendors who hadn't been able to sell anything for a year and like see the people's costumes and listen to sea shanties at the pub and watch jousts. A guy fell off his horse during the joust, super dramatic. Um, so it was just honestly a really, really great time. Um, and I, I love just going to Ren Ferris to people watch and just to like meet other people who enjoy being out and about. Walk me through a day at, at the Ren Fair. Like you walk up, you you get there, you're you're in costume. What do you what do you do first? What do you see when you arrive? Well, it's different for everybody because everyone likes different things. So um, some people are very like active types of folks, and they like want to do the games, right? So there's archery, so you can pay a couple bucks to like shoot twenty arrows, or you can go throw axes, or you can go throw uh, ninja stars. Um, or there's all these games like feats of strength games where you can win prizes. So you have folks that like are really into that. Then you have folks who are like, I'm here to drink and that's what I'm doing. So they like walk in at 9am and they hit the bar. And then there's all these like little bars with like groups of like singers and like musicians going and some people just truly hang out in the bar and people watch all day uh, and just drink all day. And then you get the shoppers, which are, you know, at Ren Fair, you can get so many cool things. You can get art, you can get leather work, you can get um, hand forged swords and knives, you can get a costume attire. So some people just go to shop. Um, and then some people go to see the shows. So you can go see jousts, you can see performances like Shakespearean performances. Uh, last weekend, I saw uh, an escape artist who got out of like a tank of water. Uh, so there, it's truly like I, I genuinely believe that Ren Ferris do have something for everyone. Um, but I will say that when I went on Saturday, my day went a little bit like this. We get there at 10 in the morning when it opens. We grabbed a drink to start the day. I'm walking around in my costume. We went to see the joust. We got another drink. Uh, then we went shopping and I spent too much money. And then we got another drink. And then I wound up going to all the booths where I met with people and bought something at all of those booths. So that was very expensive. Uh, and then we ended up the day uh, watching the escape artist almost get stuck uh, in the in his water tank and buying a D&D, &D, custom D&D &D campaign for him because why not? It was really cool. Um, and then we got another drink. So I was a little hungover <laughs> on Sunday, but it was a really fun run fair day, especially not after not going for all of 2020. Yeah, that is such a good time. You, you talking about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't, I'd enjoy that. I'd enjoy that. You know, that sounds fun. Even just the people watching, 
you know, just just being there and just hanging out. I think that'd be cool. Huh, mm -hmm. how, how interesting, I love that. Okay, now I wanna hear like outside of, outside of the nerdy stuff that you're into, what do you do day to day? Maybe tell us a little bit about what it is that you do for work and kind of what other things you get up to. Absolutely. So I think one of the funniest parts about the earlier bit of the story that I was telling you, which was that I was poorly socialized and not the best with people and not the most collegial, is that now I'm a consultant and it's my job for people, you know, to like people and to, to talk to people and to hear about their challenges and things like that. Um, so I work as a technology consultant um, and I do a lot of work with the, with the government, um, which I really love because I've always been the kind of person that has been very mission focused and, you know, really want to help make things better and help make people's lives better. So, you know, a lot of technology consulting, you get into things like let's download this, this new software or let's like, you know, get an email widget. Um, so it's nice for me to at least make the connection of getting the software helps the government help other people, which I, I really love. Um, and I'm very lucky in that my career has allowed me to get to a point where I lead a team. Um, I lead a team of about 20 people right now. Uh, I think I'm going <laughs> to lead a lot more in the next few months because I just got promoted, which is really exciting. Um, but my absolute favorite part of the job is working with my junior team members and just seeing them grow and seeing them like develop skills and, and helping them figure out you know, how to tie the things that they enjoy doing to, to their career at, at the company that we're at. Because, you know, when I was growing up, my parents were both very, we were blue, we were a blue collar family. And it was, you go to work to survive. And that is what you do. And now I'm in a position where it's like, well, but you know, this thing takes up 40 to 50 hours of our of our life every week. So let's try and enjoy it a little bit, you know, and, and getting to know each member of my team individually, and their interests and what they, you know, I ask every person I interview, what's your dream job, and helping them try to like, find a position that can get them down there at that point um, is, is really my favorite part of the job. I love it. That is really cool. And I, I think now is probably a good time to, to plug your work. Right now, while we're recording this, you are working on a book. By the time this comes out, the book should be out. So if you want to tell people what it is and where they can go to find it, now's the, the perfect time for that. Absolutely. So I have been working on a book called Tech to Save the World. It should be coming out in August, so it should be available on Amazon right now. Uh, you can order a soft cover or an e-copy. Um, but Tech to Save the World, it's been really funny trying to market it because a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not a tech person, like that's not me. And it's funny because the entire premise of Tech to Save the World is that anybody can use Tech to Save the World. And a lot of the stories in it are everyday people who just made a mental connection or figured out or had this like creative idea and they chased it down and they made it a reality. Um, so I, I would love for you to check it out. It's on Amazon. Um, and especially if you're, the, if you're the kind of person that you look at something and you think, man, I wish I could make a difference. I wish I could do something about that. Um, you absolutely can. The book will not necessarily tell you how, but does walk through how other people have succeeded in doing it and also has a step-by-step -step guide to, if you want to try to do something, here's one route you can take. Um, which I think makes it a little, a little different from other books in that regard. So invite, I, will, I invite you to check it out. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm going to have links for it down in the show notes so people can go and check it out when it's out. And uh, I know it feels a little bit weird to kind of do a plug kind of in the middle-ish of the episode, but I like to do it that way so that we can just roll on to the end. So I want to start talking about your future. What, what does your future look like or what do you hope it looks like? Oh man, that's such an interesting question. Um, 
I think that we even talked about this last time, which was, you know, you asked me something I'm like, where do you see yourself in five years? Uh, and we talked about this concept of being content, right? Mm -hmm. For the future, you know, my life path has been very winding and very unexpected and full of opportunities and full of challenges. And so whenever I get to this question of like, what's in your future? Like, where would you like to go? I think less of, you know, I want to be, you know, an executive in five years, or I want to have X amount to my name in 10 years, or I want to, you know, lead this many people. I think of more how I want to feel. And I just would like to feel content. You know, I'd like to feel not necessarily happy, because I think happiness is something that a lot of people strive for. And we don't necessarily, we feel like we fail when we're not happy all the time. But I would just like to be content. You know, I'd like to be doing something that I feel um, adds to the world, that helps the world a little bit. I'd like to have enough money to take care of myself and people that I care about. I'd like to be able to focus and maintain the really wonderful relationship I ha relationships I have right now in my life between, you know, my mom, my partner, and my best friends, um, and, and, and other new friends that I've made along the way. So when I look to my future, that's really the thing that I'm striving for. I like that. I like that. And this is going to be my second last question here. You mentioned in our quick questions that you, on your bucket list was to swim with whale sharks and killer whales. Tell me wh why. What, what attracts you to that? I have always loved the water. Um, you know, I was born in California. We live near the coast and I've always just been drawn to the water. Um, my partner, who's a lifeguard, um, he's a very burly man. He sinks. Um, he's like, he likes the water too, but he, when I talk to him about water, I'm like, I like water because like, I feel like I can trust it. He's like, water is designed to kill you. And I'm like, I know, but there's just something, I just feel this affinity for water. You know, if I had an element, I think it'd be water. And I've always loved the ocean. Um, and so growing up, you know, we, again, we lived near Disney World, so we'd go to SeaWorld and they had like the, the orcas there, um, which actually led me to work at SeaWorld when I was in college uh, for an internship. And I absolutely loved seeing the whales there and just seeing them interact with each other and their trainers and the people. Um, but it always made me really, you know, long to see them in their natural habitat too. Um, and so particularly with killer whales, that's definitely like on the bucket list, but one that's probably unlikely because even things like uh, whale watching can disrupt them in their natural like feeding and like mating habitats and, and things like that. So I, I think unless I happen to be diving and a killer whale popped up, it would never happen. But I, you know, I talked to a lot of people and they they think killer whales are really scary which is true. They're big and they're scary and they're, they're predators, but I just think that they are such in incredibly beautiful, powerful creatures. Um, and there's so much intelligence there that I think is really, um, it, it's unlike anything I've ever seen when you're looking in, in, in the eyes of an animal like that. So that's for killer whales. Uh, and then with whale sharks, they're just, you know, they're just big fish doing their best. And I just love that they're just chilling and they're not bothering anybody and they're just going about um, and I've seen like people like snorkeling with them and it just looks really relaxing. So it's almost like for two very different reasons. One would be like really like fulfilling and like, you know, soul connecting to the, to the world kind of thing of like, wow, I had this near death experience with this whale, but like it didn't eat me and that's really cool. And then on the other side, it's look at this whale shark. Isn't he adorable? And like, I think I'd enjoy both. I like that. I, I, I think great reasons for both. I think that's really cool. And so this is my last question, and this is what I ask every guest at the end of every episode. And that is at the end of your life, when you're looking back on everything you've done, everything you've accomplished, the friends you've made along the way, the, the whales you've swam with along the way too, when you look back on all of that, what are the things you think you'll be most proud of and satisfied with? 
there's this incredible quote, and I think it was Maya Angelou that said it, which was that, I don't remember what they, I don't always remember what they said, but I always remember how they made me feel. And, you know, I think looking back at my life and, and some of the, the discussion we had earlier about, you know, growth and, and progression and, and, you know, evolution of oneself, you know, I think I will be proudest of how I try, how I always try to make other people around me feel um, in my adulthood, which, you know, was accepted and welcome and, you know, as though there was always a place for them at the table and that there was always somebody there who was happy to chat with them and hear their story and get to know them. Um, I, you know, I think that, you know, everyone's life is, is full of twists and turns and we all struggle to like connect with one another. And my goal for looking back is that I just hope that I have made the lives of the people that I've interacted with just a little bit warmer and a little bit better. So that would probably be the main thing I'd hope to achieve. I love that. I really love that. And I, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, sharing your life experience with me and with the listeners as well. And with that, I just want to say thank you very much for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me again. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for listening, not just to the show, which we certainly do appreciate, but more so to the people around you, the people from your everyday life that you just happen to know. Make five minutes today to listen intently to the people around you. Mecco.